Hello, this is Robert L. Smith. I'm very much interested in Chalk Talk. It's been a big part and an important part of my life and ministry. So this will be an opportunity for me to touch the lives of uh, many of you who share that interest. So get ready to be chalked and amazed. This episode of Chalked and Amazed is brought to you by Monkey Wrench Press. Their brand new musical appreciation series includes the title, My Favorite Bluegrass Instrument by Amanda Lynn. Available everywhere fine books are sold. Uh, Welcome to Chalked and Amazed, your podcast for gospel chalk artists. I'm your host, Carrie Kistler. Now this edition of Chalked and Amazed features a professor of chalk art who just celebrated his 25th year of teaching. He has been a teacher of preaching, church administration, pastoral ministries, Old Testament, New Testament, so much more, including communicative chalk talk. And he's taught all of this at Howard Payne University in Texas. Now, before that, he served in pastoral ministries for 35 years. And before that, this man had careers in both the U.S. Air Force and in the commercial art field. He has worked in missions. He had a television show featuring chalk art for some years. He's authored two books on chalk art and joins us now on Chalked and Amazed. I'd like to welcome Dr. Robert L. Smith to the show. Thanks for joining us on Chalked and Amazed. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to be on the program. I'm uh, very, very much interested in anyone who uh, is in the business of chalk talks. Well, now that was one hefty pedigree that I just outlined, but let's go back to the beginning and chat for a moment about how you first got started in chalk art. Can you uh, take a trip back into history for us for a moment? Be glad to. And in fact, I had uh, just come out of seminary. I was called to a, a church in Arkansas, Crossit, Arkansas. You may have never have heard of it. It's a beautiful little town. It's one of those planned cities. Uh, with a a magnificent church plant that covers about a city block. But uh, I had gone there as a brand-new seminary graduate. This was my first full-time pastorate after uh, my seminary education. And uh, in the process of scheduling some services, I had uh, scheduled a youth revival, with myself as the uh, MC, and uh, one of my professors from the seminary as the speaker for the revival, a good preacher, and came Saturday night before the revival started. The young people were all meeting, and I was the speaker for this Saturday night service. Well, the problem was I had been very busy getting ready for the revival, and I did not have a thing prepared for that Saturday night. And I realized that I had to have something. So I went down to the newspaper, got a big stack uh, of newsprint papers, about an inch thick, came out and clamped those uh, that newsprint onto a piece of plywood with a couple of seat clamps, put it on an easel I had, and uh, got out uh, some chalk, which I had accumulated, and did my first chalk talk. Now, 
I knew that uh, it was going to be spontaneous, although I didn't announce it as such, but I knew that one easy approach was to make it a snow scene because you can't do anything to snow if you've got white and blue uh, that will destroy the drawing. So <laughs> I did this picture of a snow scene with a young fella walking in the snow, stepping in the footprints of his father, who is way down there on the horizon. And the idea was, you know, be careful of your life. Somebody is watching you. Somebody may be following you. And uh, so that was the chalk talk. Well, it came out, you know, when you're doing snow and you're doing uh, uh, evergreens, as uh, the foliage on the horizon, blue sky overhead, blue shadows on the snow. Uh, it looks always looks pretty good. It's hard to make a really bad drawing of that. <laughs> but when I, when I got through and the service was over and I was talking to the professor who was sitting on the, on the back row, uh, sort of hiding out back there while I did the presentation for the young people, he said to me, Bob... If you will pursue this, I predict that it will open many, many doors for you in your ministry. So there I was, uh, brand new in the pastorate, uh, brand new out of seminary, and now then <laughs> brand new in the chalk talk ministry. So I went uh, to a little trouble and improved that easel, kept the idea of the newsprint, and the few chalks I had, I got a clamp-on light, one of those gooseneck lights that clamped on the top of the easel, bent over out over the uh, the, the drawing surface, and uh, turned on with a, one of those little uh, toggle switches right on the light. That was my lighting. And so that was my first chalk talk equipment. Uh, I had never actually even seen but one chalk talk, a young fellow who was at this seminary that I'm telling you about where I graduated was uh, really, really gifted. And uh, he did a painting one night as the climax of a statewide meeting in Little Rock. I was up there for the, the meeting. And when he dimmed those lights with all the fluorescent chalk he had drawn in uh, as you know, you work that in uh, surreptitiously when nobody knows what's going on. But when he dimmed those lights, from where I was sitting about halfway back in the auditorium, it looked like a Rembrandt painting. <laughs> and I just about came unglued. I just was thrilled to see that happen. Sure. So I went up to talk to him. His name was Bill. And I said, Bill, this is wonderful. This is great. I'm a former commercial artist and so on. And... Uh, I want to do this. So he quickly told me about black light, showed me what a black light was, where to get one, gave me a, a book that he had with him uh, that had a few chalk talk drawings in the in the book. It was kind of a beginner's edition. And uh, do you remember the it, do you remember the name of that book, the title of it? I don't remember it. I remember that it was uh, yellow, covered with a big bold black letters on the on the title and uh, and the drawings were really pretty in this particular book were 
quite, uh, well, simple, I guess would be a good word, maybe primitive. <laughs> kind of basic material then. Very ba- oh, basic, that's the word I was looking for. Basic material. So I, I took one look at those drawings and thought, now I don't think these were his drawings, I'm not sure, but anyway, I looked at the drawings and said, I, I know that I can do that. Uh, except uh, that these were mainly black and white, the whole book. Uh, just kind of a monochrome thing. So then shortly after that, I had an invitation from a friend of mine, seminary uh, student when I was in seminary, who had come to Arkansas. Had a, he was ahead of me a few years and was in a fine church. And he said, uh, why don't you come and uh, bring an easel with you and uh, we'll do some chalk talks in this class that you're going to be teaching. So then there I was, uh, uh, a seasoned uh, chalk talk artist of about uh, three months, and <laughs> suddenly plunged in into the business. But uh, So I got started in a big way and, and really worked hard at it, and uh, immediately, though, began to receive invitations from people I knew in seminary and in the ministry who had heard that I was doing chalk talks. And, well, of course, my commercial art background was a tremendous asset for me at that stage. Uh, I still had a lot to learn about uh, how to get the um, composition on paper and how to have a surprise element and how to blend the colors and uh, so on. But uh, anyway, I was launched as a chalk talk artist well it didn't it, it was amazing how quickly the word got around and invitations began to come in to do these sure. chalk talks in revivals and uh, so i was i had to my wife was an, uh, an excellent pianist and she furnished the music for me live music and i did the live paintings and uh, and we were suddenly a, a chalk talk team and I had some really amazing opportunities right at the very beginning of not only my chalk talk ministry, my my preaching ministry, uh, because I went from seminary student to chalk talk revival artist, uh, and uh, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And of course, it didn't didn't take long, and I got uh, more and more complicated and and got some uh, compositions that were uh, quite, uh, you know, finished-looking and and uh, used those in, in the various churches. Now, you said that the seminarian, uh, the student that you saw perform, uh, his name was first name was Bill. Do you remember who he was, his last name? I wish I could remember that young man's name. His name was... It wasn't Bill Leach, was it? No, it wasn't Bill Leach, although I met him later. Okay. Well, about what year was that, your first exposure to Chalk Talk? Uh, that was 1953. And so just from that first exposure, you decided to try it out, and you had no other teaching or mentors or um, people that took you under their wing? Right. Right. Uh, amazingly, of course, you know, I had uh, I had the, the, the preaching experience. I had... Uh, a lot of public speaking, by the way, in college, and uh, and I had.
had uh, some experience preaching in churches even while I was getting my education. So I had the sermons, had some, a few sermons, and uh, then I had the uh, the artistic. Well, I had had I had, had some real opportunities as a commercial artist. I had a series of cartoons in Time Magazine and uh, Life Magazine. I, we had the Dickies account. I went to work for an advertising agency in while I was in seminary, working my way through school. And uh, this was Albert Ev- Evans Advertising of Fort Worth. And so I had some real opportunities uh, for magazine covers and and color illustrations and that kind of thing as a commercial artist. So uh, the, I, I did have enough art background that I could put a, a fairly decent uh, chalk talk painting, as I used to call them, chalking, uh, put that together for, for display and, you know, build a... a a message around it. Sure. Well, o- over the years then, along the way, have you uh, ever had any kind of uh, classes or exposure to other chalk artists, uh, teachers, or chalk art conferences, or anything of that nature? Yes. In fact, uh, I have a, had a good, good friend who was uh, uh, an instructor, and in fact, he was the uh, head of a school for all our foreign missionaries. He had the uh, responsibility of what they called MOC, which was Mission Orientation Center. And uh, he put classes together for these missionaries. And one day I got a telephone call from him. This was years years later now. Let's just say we'll jump ahead here about 10 years. But uh, I got a call saying, we've decided to add Chalk Talk as preparation for some of these missionaries who have art talent or who could follow a simple kind of an art instruction uh, so that when they arrive on the field, they don't know the language, and uh, they're eager to get themselves involved in the gospel ministry, but they, uh, you know, they don't have any means to do so. Would you consider coming the last week before they go to the mission field and give them a crash course in chalk talk. And I said, yes, I'd be glad to. I think I could do that. I'd make some very simple things that they, uh, you know, quote, unquote, couldn't go wrong on, (laughs) uh, because I found out that there's nothing they can't go wrong on. But anyway, these were simple drawings, like three crosses on a hill. Now, you can get the picture with clouds above, that's not too complicated. And uh, we started off with that one. That was number one. And then there, uh, number two was palm trees on both sides of the picture and a little town of Bethlehem in the middle. And uh, it was that kind of very simple composition. Well, we, went, we then went to Mission Orientation Center every year, twice a year, for eight years. So I taught 16 classes of missionaries almost and we gave we gave the chalk talk course to all the missionaries and some of them were absolutely amazed that they were able to do these chalk talks and now as a follow-up of this later on i traveled uh, in brazil and in africa 
South America, uh, Mexico, and uh, other places in the world. And everywhere I went, I would encounter these missionaries that I had taught in Mission Orientation Center. Nice. I remember in Seoul, Korea, uh, one day, a young fella came in, met me in the lobby. This is one of the most luxurious hotels you've ever seen in your life. And uh, he had a roll of uh, chalk chalk papers, full-size, you know, the full-size sheet. And he said, would you critique my, my drawings here? I'm, I'm here as a missionary in Korea, and uh, I, I have some drawings. And so I said, oh, I'd be glad to do that. Well, right there in the Lodi Hotel, carpet about three inches deep, he spread those things out on the floor. People gathered around a circle around us, and I critiqued his chalk talk drawings uh, that he had been using on the mission field. So this happened uh, in different circumstances, different places. Uh, again, in South America, I had this. I was with uh, Nelson Fanini, uh, who was quite a well-known uh, preacher in Rio de Janeiro, and I was there with him in a in a revival, by the way, in a coliseum. And uh, so I would encounter these missionaries everywhere I went that I had instructed or who had heard that I could give them instruction. And so as a follow-up of this uh, opportunity I had with Mission Orientation Center, uh, I got to see some of their work on the field, real live uh, presentations that they had made, and it was quite a kick. must have brought quite a bit of satisfaction to see students that you taught then using chalk art in ministry. Right. And some of them, you know, were better than others, of course. That's always a given. But uh, but uh, I found that uh, they, they realized the communicative possibilities of this, uh, of this visual presentation of the gospel. Now, when you and your wife were a team uh, in your younger days, you're 84, correct? Right. So in your younger days, when you were out and about traveling and doing gospel uh, chalk art programs and so forth, and your wife was with you, describe for us what a typical program would have would have looked like. Well, as time went on, my equipment got more and more finished. I, uh, I went to a church where the man who invented the, the plow that now sold by Monsanto where you'd go through the field not four times but one time and you put four different kinds of fertilizer or seed or whatever uh, through this plow. It, it was a revolutionary development in farming. I'm telling you all this to say this man, uh, who was a fellow B-29 pilot in my church, a deacon, wonderful Christian guy, became my best friend, one of the best friends I've ever had in my life. He built an easel that was just a, a well, it was just an ideal kind of a, a an arrangement. Uh, chalk light, uh, colored lights across the top in a, in a box. A uh, very complicated um, device with uh, three dimmers where I could dim any one of those six lights or dim all six of them at one time or whatever. It was a, a control box that 
he had uh, uh, made by a professional electrician. And this was a big, so we used two sheets of paper so that when I got in some large churches and stadiums, I could tape two of these pieces of paper together, and the board was actually seven feet wide and about about five feet high, so that I used this great big board That's big. in big churches and in stadiums and wherever. Uh, I happened to have an opportunity to use a board that big. Then I had a smaller kind that's, by the way, uh, in that book that you have, uh, there's a diagram of that portable board in there that folds up and goes in a sack, and I carry it with me on the plane. I don't know if you remember seeing that. It's right in the first part of the book. Yes, I do. Okay. Do you still have that easel, that equipment, or is it long gone? Yes, I still have it. Nice. the 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 big one, I has fallen into disuse uh, because, you know, once I got out of the uh, the church, the big church business, <laughs> if I could put it that way, uh, I got into smaller churches after I got into, into the teaching uh, profession full-time. And uh, so I used the small version uh, everywhere I went and and still use that small version. The big board, this big seven-foot board, I never use anymore. It, uh, in fact, the only thing I use that for, I have some cutouts of the of the nativity scene with great big. I use eight feet uh, sheets of plywood, and this is uh, Mary and Jesus, and then three of the wise men, all of them cut out and painted so that they look like mosaics. And I put those out on my lawn every Christmas, and I use that big board and that big tray of lights that I'm telling you about to light that outdoor setting of this Christmas scene. And I have people constantly wanting to know, where in the world did I buy that? (laughs) Which, of course, has won in the world. Right. But... uh, so that's what I use the the lights and all of that uh, paraphernalia for. Uh, so, but when I when I go to to the churches now, I always even no matter how big the church is, how small it is, I use that smaller board that's in the yellow version of that Chalk Talk Ideas book that you have. So you're actually out in in churches still performing and, and doing chalk art. In fact, I am. I did twenty interim ministries. In a row, back to back, over a twenty-year twenty period, while I was teaching, so I have I've kept my hand in on the chalk talk all these years. Oh, all right. Well, what does your typical chalk talk, uh, chalk art program look like today? It's uh, I use the uh, that portable board that I'm telling you about, where I assemble it on the on the site when I get there. I've got a black light that. Uh, uh, I lay, lay down on the floor out in front of the board, and then another black light that goes across. I have a, tr- a chalk tray overhead, and I have another smaller bulb that uh, that is attached to that uh, chalk uh, uh, that light trough overhead. So I put all that together, though, which 
uh, goes together quickly and comes apart quickly. And I put all that together on the site after I get to the church. And uh, I have, a, of course, a chalk tray with full of chalk. I use about, uh, oh, I guess this chalk tray must hold about uh, 20 pieces of chalk if I use all of them, which I never do. But uh, I put the chalk in that tray and in a certain sequence, which, of course, I've memorized through the years. And so I, I usually start the service just like a regular service, and then the lights dim in the uh, sanctuary, wherever I am, the auditorium, and my lights come on the board at the same time. When I turn my white lights on, they turn the church lights off. Well, then I go from there uh, so that it's a wonderful device for attention because here is one area, uh, 40 inches, well, you know the size of a piece of chalk paper, full-size chalk paper. That's on the easel. Uh, that's lighted. Nothing else in the whole church is lighted. So I have riveted attention, <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, yes. And then I do the drawing. While I start the message orally, after I get into the message, I, I'm bold enough to uh, continue to fill in orally while I am drawing with the chalk so that, uh, of course, there are long pauses, and I was sometime will say, now what I'm drawing here represents a waterfall that you could... Uh, see if you ever visit Yosemite National Park, that kind of thing, if you understand. So your drawings really are chalk talks. You're not, you're not drawing to music, but you're literally narrating while you draw. Right. And uh, then when the, when, the, when the drawing's finished, then I'm ready for the surprise effect. So then the lights are dimmed, as you know, the white lights especially, and the fluorescent lights, which I have built in without them realizing it, sometimes uh, sometimes I draw, for instance, I have a picture of uh, Jesus with his uh, hands and arms, forearms, around the world. He's got the whole world in his hands, that one. Well, before I ever start, on a white background, I paint in the picture of Jesus with his arms extended. And it's already on there, but it's invisible, absolutely invisible. It's white on white. I use white fluorescent, invisible fluorescent chalk. You know what that is, of Cer course. Certainly, yes. And uh, so then I draw, I draw the world, uh, black and blue lines with uh, the continents, and a typical picture of the Earth, like those we see in the photographs that the astronauts took. So I draw the Earth, I draw the stars and planets around the Earth, and then when I dim the lights, Jesus appears to put his arms around the globe. That's a typical chalk talk. Now, the, uh, the hidden drawings that you do, are, are you doing those on-site before you present it, or are you doing those at home and then transporting them to your location, to your well, venue. Well, now, see, the invisible part, like that one with 
where Jesus appears to put his arms around the world, yes. I do that at home All right. before I go. How long would you take, typically, to do a hidden drawing, would you think? Well, that one is the most complicated one I have because it's Jesus' face and uh, robe, hair, you know, uh, robe, everything. And that takes me probably, first of all, I project it uh, with, a, uh, with an overhead projector on there first and draw it with light blue pencil on that white background. And I draw it very lightly, of course, because you, so that you can't see it from 10, 10 feet away. Uh, you can't see the light blue lines that I follow. Then with the black light on at home in my studio, I draw and paint Jesus face, features, eyes, eyebrows, hair, robe, hands, everything. Uh, but when you turn the white lights on, it disappears totally. Sure, of course. But how long would you say it, it takes you to do that particular hidden drawing? It probably takes me, it takes me a full, more than, more than a half hour, less than an hour. Oh, all right. To draw that on there. So it's, it's a, it's a chore. But... It's great knowing that it's on there when I'm standing up there in front of that congregation. <laughs> and they don't know it's on there, and I do. Because I know that it's going to have an impact when I say, now here's this world, it's in bad shape. By the way, sometimes I'll draw, first, I'll draw that world as a huge bomb, just a great big round bomb with a fuse sticking out the top. And say, you know, they're telling us that, We've got the power to blow up the world. We don't have a wisdom to keep the world, protect the world. And uh, so it starts out as a bomb. Then I quickly just smear out the, the fuse and put the continents in and finish drawing the earth. So all this time, of course, I'm very conscious of exactly, I can, standing uh, like uh, 18 inches away, I can easily see where Jesus' figure is, uh, so that I can easily draw the world. Well, I've got the world lightly traced on there anyway, but I draw that the earth, the globe, right exactly in its place, and I know that his arms are, are outstretched and his hands drawn in such a way that they're not obliterated by the background. Well, so that when the lights are dimmed, then the planets and the stars appear in the sky. sky uh, the sky, you know, that white chalk, when you turn out all the lights, becomes a very deep blue chalk. And so it becomes a night sky with Jesus illuminated by this fluorescent light. Now, that's about the most complicated one I have. Okay. And so then after the drawing is finished, um, do you have any other portion, any other components in your program? Right. Programs? Then I make the application... And extend the invitation right there while they're looking at the the board. And then the lights come on in the church, which yeah. doesn't hurt anything because it's okay. still very visible. You know, the whole thing's visible now. How long would you say that it take for you to do most of your drawings? I try. I really practice these things and work uh, diligently to simplify them generally. Yes. Uh, and I try to keep all the drawings under 20 minutes. Okay. Now, have any of your drawings ever been done for uh, non 
church kinds of settings, let's say a civic organization or some other kind of secular application? Well, yes. I have I have a drawing of, uh, I, I tell you, it's in that, uh, the red book, that, let's see, the one, the one with the rainbow colors that you've got. Yes. Uncle Sam on his knees. Sure, patriotic. Do you remember that from the back of the book? Yes. Okay, now I do that. Of course, that's in black and white in that book that, that you've got with a rainbow cover. But I do it in full color with the red and white striped pants, blue jacket, uh, flesh tones, of course, for the face and hands of Uncle Sam, and uh, his hat there that's on the floor and whatever. Uh, and that done in color, fluorescent, I use fluorescent chalk, colored fluorescent chalk, which, as you know, is really strong. And that drawing will just knock you over. And I have done that before and just put a black light on it and then post it somewhere in public, whatever the the meeting was. They're having a 4th of July celebration event in town. Sometimes I do that drawing for something like that. Okay, so you have done organizations other than churches. Right. Let's talk about your books for just a second since you, okay. brought, since you brought them up. The first one you wrote back in 1972, published by Baker Bookhouse, called right. Successful Chalk Talking, A Complete Guide. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, how was it that book came about? How did they, uh, did they approach you and commission you to write the book, or did you approach them with a manuscript? I, no, I just wrote the book and sent the manuscript to uh, Baker Bookhouse, and Mr. Baker... This was one of the compliments of my life. Yes. Mr. Baker came then to Florida to visit with me, took me to lunch, and said, okay, you've got the gift of writing, my friend. Uh, This is fine. We're going to publish the Chalk Talk book, but we want you for one of our authors. So it really opened up... uh, some other things along with the Chalk Talk book. So you've written other books as well besides Chalk Art? Not ri- never, never have written books. I've written all kind of articles. Okay. But, uh, you know, and I had, I had several ideas in mind for books, but uh, I marveled at, uh, at people like uh, Lloyd Ogilvy, who wrote 16 books while he was pastor of... Uh, uh, Hollywood Presbyterian Church. I don't know how those guys did that. <laughs> uh, Ogilvy must—he is a genius of some kind—to write sixteen books while pastoring a church that large or that complicated. And well, and then commentaries that he wrote, you know, as well. So I, I stand in awe of this of this man. But uh, I never could get the time to write the other books. <laughs> I just was busy, busy, busy. And, yeah. Had big churches and a lot of demands on me, and so I just didn't write books. Do you uh, know or have any idea how many copies of successful chalk talking were sold by Baker Book? I don't know how many copies. I know that it went through three printings. That one, the black and white one, the one with the rainbow cover. Yes. Uh, went through three editions, but I don't know how many. They never did tell me how many were in each edition. Oh, all right. So now, that's out of print by Baker Bookhouse. Although you continue, right. you continue to uh, produce it, so you uh, hold the copyright on it, correct? 
Yes, they gave me the copyright, right. They sure did. So you're producing it now, and you offer it for sale directly from you. uh Uh-huh, right. You know, I've never even tried to distribute it through bookstores or anything like that. Well, we'll be sure to have a link to your address, your telephone number, on the podcast uh-huh. webpage so that people can contact you if they're interested. Now, there is a second book that you also uh, produce and that you offer for sale. First published, I think, in 1994 called Ideas for Successful Chalk Talking. That's right. Now, that's the one with the color prints that are pasted in because we found that printing it in color was too expensive, and so we we found that <clears throat> by printing the uh, uh, the color pictures separately and then tipping them in that's what they call it tipping them in exactly gluing them in uh, that's the way we make those color prints available which you know to a chalk artist is indispensable because there's nothing like a color picture of the instead of saying now you know get the yellow ochre and put it down here and then put the uh, uh, dark blue on top of it or whatever so uh, having those color pictures, we found, was a, a real asset. Uh, and, in fact, when I was still teaching uh, missionaries at uh, Missionary Orientation Center, that's when we started the color prints because those color prints were really helpful to them starting out from nothing, and uh, they were able to pick up on the color quite easily that way. Now that book, Ideas for Successful Chalk Talking, Uh as I uh, was skimming it before the interview, it looks to me as if it was extrapolated from the class notes that you were using in your communicative chalk talk class. That's right, it was. It it was an outgrowth, that's a good observation of yours, it was an outgrowth of those classes that I was teaching. So that I did the the studies for the students and... uh, handed them out in class, you know, that kind of thing. And then finally we stapled them together, and then finally we put together, uh, had the school with their binding uh, facility there that they've got uh, to put the books together. And so then we just turned that over to the school, and they they put that book together first of all. And then I sent that book to Baker, but... Baker, by this time, said that they were not a, uh, they weren't really ready to commit on something as expensive as color prints in a book. That that would be a huge undertaking for even for Baker Bookhouse. Yes, the market is a little bit uh, slim for chalk art, isn't it? Yes. I tell you what, let me give your address right now on the show. That way, if people are interested in writing you uh, to order the books, they can do that. Sure. They would send it to Dr. Robert Smith at 3 Quail Creek. That's quail is in the bird, Creek, Brownwood, Texas, 76801. Correct. And we'll also have your phone uh, number posted with your podcast episode uh-huh. so that people can call if they prefer that. Sure. Is there a third book in the offing? Are you uh, planning on trying to do one more here? No, well, actually, no. I i tell you what I have really thought about. I have transparencies. Now, since I project these, you know, with an overhead, yes, I, I use a transparency where you just put the transparency on the overhead. You know how that works, of course. Sure. And then 
you project it up on your board and trace it down in advance, that's before I ever go to the church, you know, that tracing is on there, then I cover the basic tracing with a color background so that I can see the lines through that chalk, but the audience can't. So they think I'm a genius when all I'm doing is tracing lines that I can see. Uh, But I have all this, I have about, oh goodness, I guess 50, oh maybe more than that, uh, of these transparencies. And I have thought about putting them, now of course they are transparencies, you know, are on that film uh, that's eight and a half by 11 sheet that you buy at Walmart. Uh, And these are, they're printed on there with a printer that that goes along with my computer. And uh, so I have thought about putting all those together in a book where a person would have like, well, let's say 50 transparencies to begin with, which would really put you in the uh, chalk talk business in a big way, but with all these already drawn for you. So these are just the transparency uh, compositions that you have. Do you have any idea how many total different chalk drawings you have developed over the years? You know, I've never counted them, but I probably have about 100. When you were developing and designing your drawings, uh, did you have a particular process that you used? Uh, well, i tell you what I did. I used, first of all, I, I worked to build a, uh, a file. I had a, a, a drawer and a file cabinet with all kinds of possible chalk talk ideas that I would carefully file away in there. And um, then I had some resource material. I took the famous artist course when that was available that was uh, published out of Westport, Connecticut. I remember this, yes. Uh, I took that course, and by the way, they made a documentary of... uh, They came, sent a film crew to my church and actually filmed in a documentary, a professional documentary of me doing a chalk talk in my Sunday morning service at First Baptist Church in Houston, uh, where I pastored. And uh, that was where, at the same time that I had that uh, weekly uh, television program called The Art of Living, I collected this material that was a great help to me. For instance, I got a booklet of the drawings, the biblical drawings of Gustave Doré, D-O-R-E with an accent over the E, Gustave Doré. He did, I've got a book that has, I guess, 200 pages with nothing but biblical drawings in there. Right. He did, they were etchings. Yes, engravings. He did a tremendous amount of work. Engravings, right. I've got, that book is available, and it was a tremendous help because... His figures are very simplified, right? Graceful, you know, and Dramatic. well done, and perfect uh, anat- anatomical uh, dimensions. Yeah. And so I used a lot of those figures <clears throat> as uh, you know uh, material to uh, to work from as I was working out these drawings. That's a great reference source. Uh, for biblical drawings. I think that, as you say, that book, and maybe perhaps more than one, is available through uh, Dover 
publishing of Gustav Dory's engravings. Uh-huh. I found this one in a bookstore somewhere, you know, 25 years ago or something like that at least. And uh, and so I, I have it on the shelf where I, I keep it and refer to it uh, as I need to. But but after a while, I, I began to be able to draw figures like Dore drew them, <laughs> but, but originated, uh, you know, out of my own uh, background because I, I had used so many of his as I, as I copied and duplicated them, replicated his drawings in one form or another, always, you know, uh, with, uh, with a lot of originality in there so that they weren't tracings or anything like that, but... Uh, because I knew they would be quite recognizable for people that knew anything about Dory. But I used those up until, well, until I had all the chalk talks I knew I would ever use anywhere. All right. A moment ago you mentioned a television program called The Art of Living. Tell me about that, how it got started. It was on KHOU-TV in Houston for how many years? Well, I started out when I was at uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I was pastor at First Baptist Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And I went, I, I drove 35 miles up the highway to Little Rock every week, and I took the drawing board, which was then just a big easel, just a big three-legged easel, and I went up there with these drawings and uh, asked them if they'd be interested in putting me on like uh, every Saturday, which would be ideal for me as a pastor. And they said, yes, they were interested. So I started out with um, KATV, which was the uh, an affiliate. I think it was the uh, ABC affiliate then on television. And so they and I started out with a simple line drawing. Uh, on on this easel uh, with uh, used newsprint again, like as of when I was starting out. So I would put the newsprint on there, and then I would just do these uh, drawings, a lot of them freehand in those days, uh, just kind of like it was a blackboard almost, except that it was newsprint and and magic markers. Well, that worked well, though. It was extremely visible, easy to draw, and, uh, you know, by I, I had a, some light blue. I used light blue guidelines to guide me when I had a, for instance, I had one drawing of, a, of an astronaut. Uh, and so you have to have some guidelines for something as complicated as an astronaut in his helmet and whatever. And I started out that way, and we call this thing, I did that every week, did a devotional with them, and we we just named it the Art of Living, and that's how I began with them. Well, out of that grew a TV ministry. We eventually were the third church in America, First Church Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I was there as pastor. We built a television station in our church and uh, put the uh, program on every week, there were only, as I say, there were three churches in America that had a Sunday morning live telecast of their worship service. Well, we were one of the three, and or I think maybe we were number four. 
but so so we uh, we got in the television business as a as an overflow of this art of living thing that I was doing uh, in Little Rock. Well, the Little Rock station then may put in a station in Pine Bluff, thirty miles south of Little Rock, and uh, so I did the art of living from from Pine Bluff. And I didn't have to go to Little Rock every week, and that was that was I was on every every week doing a, a chalk talk kind of a thing, in addition to being on Sunday morning. So, how long were these programs? Fifteen minutes to begin with. The the art of living was fifteen minutes. And what year did that start? Would you think that was about nineteen fifty five? Right in there somewhere. And it ran for how many years? Until I left there and went to Houston, which was about 1965. So maybe for 10 years. For about 10 years, you were doing chalk talks every week on television. Right. (laughs) Now, that kept kept me looking for material. I was going to say, where in the world did you get all the material? (laughs) I used everything, you know. I, I almost got down to tracing my foot up there on the on the board, uh, but it was, you know, because it it it, it was a real demand. Oh yeah, so but these uh, drawings were not full color like you would typically do in a chalk art program. These were no, more no, chalk talks. they were no greatly simplified. Uh, right, magic marker on uh, newsprint. Now you mentioned uh, that the famous artist course had filmed a documentary. What year was that? Now that was uh, about 1956 or seven, right in there. Do you have any idea then if that documentary or any of the television programs, which were filmed back in the 50s up through the middle 60s, uh, if any footage from uh, from those have survived till today? That, this that documentary is still around there. Five of us. I tell you what they did. They wrote to us and said, "We are look. We're going to make a documentary." Uh, to promote our famous artist schools. And uh, we have selected five of our students, outstanding students, people that are using art in an outstanding, different way, creative way, and you're one of them. And uh, so we want to send a film crew down to your place and spend some time with you and and do a documentary while while in Houston. So that's how that was done. Now that that film is around somewhere. Uh, if you would, if you if you want to inquire about it, you could write to Famous Artist Schools, Westport, Connecticut, and ask them if that if that's still available. So you don't have a copy of it yourself. Don't have one of myself. I wish I had. In fact, I have never seen that documentary. You're kidding me. Is that something? <laughs> I'll have to give them a call, see if I can uh, find them online or something, and uh, maybe, do that. Maybe we because can... uh, I know it's in existence somewhere. Yeah. Well, if we can, it's a... in a can, you know, on a shelf. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's any way to get a copy of it on a DVD, I might be able to, to uh, post it to the website. I'll, I'll see what I can do for that. Good. That would be great. Now, you have been uh, teaching chalk art, as we've said, for uh, quite a long time. You've had hundreds of students over the years. Do you have one or two or three that really stand out that have really done something memorable? Not you know, I don't. Uh, I haven't kept their names, unfortunately, because one young fella said, uh, he came one day and he said, I have been in a 
dilemma over this thing. God called me, and I didn't know what. He said, I knew I was not called to preach. I'm not, I'm not uh, gifted that way as a speaker. And I, I didn't know where I fit into the scheme of things where the gospel ministry was concerned. He said, this is it, this chalk talk. He said, I can't tell you how this has answered all my questions, what I'm supposed to be doing and what God is calling me to do. He built, immediately built, a permanent easel, collapsible, transportable, uh, built the light trough with the electronics. He was gifted as an artist, so he immediately went to work in churches because churches are always looking for somebody that can do that kind of a program because it sometimes, you know, chalk talk will pack the house when nothing else will because of the entertainment quality, of course. But uh, he worked his way through seminary, paid his way through seminary, doing chalk talks. And uh, his name is Vachek, V-A-C-H-E-K. First name I don't remember, I'm sorry to say. But somewhere in the, in the Baptist uh, directory that has all the preacher's names, there's a book they published that has every preacher's name, that name would not be duplicated. Wherever he is, I'm sure he's doing Chalk Talks today. Just taking a look backwards for a moment. Uh-huh. What year was your first Chalk Talk? Uh, 1953. All right, so 1953. Here we are, 2009. You've been at it for over half a century. Right. I'm, I'm wondering, somewhere in all of these years of Chalk Art, you must have some very funny stories of things that happened to you while you were on the platform oh, doing yes talk. i have a risk of choice here's my best one i love to tell this one little guy came up one night he was about i don't know 10 or 11 years old and he he stood there in front of that board the lights were on all the effects were glowing and he i was standing by the board like i usually did at the close of the service he looked at that board that drawing he looked at me he looked at the board, and he looked at me, and he looked. He said to me, "Were you ever an artist?" <laughs> and I knew what he what he meant, but it just fractured me, you know, because here was this great display of art and technology, you know, and all that. And then the question, "Were you ever an artist?" Yes, I assured him that I had once been an artist. <laughs> You know, every now and then, some little kid will ask me that same question. Are you an artist? Really? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been an artist? And I'll say, you know, I'm working real hard at it. Well, the other funny thing that I had to yes. happen, I was in Korea uh, on that same mission trip that I mentioned a while ago in the Lodi Hotel. I was meeting with the... Uh, uh, with a school, a special Christian school there, formed by Bill Bright. He, he originated this school in uh, Seoul, Korea. And they had about, well, they had an assembly where all the students came out and sat on a terraced green hill. You know, the hill was, was uh, cut so that it formed seats. And there were 400 students sitting out here at this open amphitheater then the uh the pulpit and the orchestra pit and everything was in a a beautifully designed background of 
a speaker. It was built like a lar- a huge speaker. And then, of course, you you stood right in the in the cone of that speaker. Then, of course, they had it all wired for for sound PA. Sure. Well. I was right in the middle of a chalk talk. I was doing uh, chalk talk. I still remember it. It was on Lost and Found, you know, and uh, uh, it was a picture of a scale. On one side of the scale was the world. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? On the other side of the scale was a standing figure. Well, right in the middle of this drawing, this huge gust of wind came out of nowhere, picked up the board, drawing board, everything, and blew it out in between the speaker and the audience. Oh it actually took wings and <laughs> flew out there oh about, you know, 50, I guess 25 yards, yeah. <laughs> and floated to the ground. Uh, that I, I thought, now, and the guys, of course, the guys came piling out of those uh, the, the seats, they picked it up. We had all the manpower in the world, and they quickly hoisted it back up on stage, put it in place, and I finished the drawing. But uh, that was an unforgettable experience. Oh, yeah. That would have been a hard one to recover from. <laughs> right. The other one was down in Rio de Janeiro. When the work day is finished, people load on ferry boats to come across the river, Rio de Janeiro, and to a city called Niteroi. It's a big city. Now, Rio de Janeiro divides the well-known tourist part of Rio from the city, Niteroi, and these workers load onto ferries by the thousands. I mean, I would say that each each ferry boat probably carries 2,000 people. Each boat, and there there may be three or four boats coming at once across the the river, and they land in the in the locks there, and people unload, and it's a torrent of 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 humanity. It's just a wave of people, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people. We put a flatbed truck right out there in the middle of that walkway. I got up on top of there with that board that we're talking about, that portable board, and we put a PA system up there on there, and I did chalk talks while people emptied off of those ferries. Well, they saw this thing going on. They would stop, and we had we had a thousand people around the flatbed trailer that we were on, and they were watching, and I was preaching the gospel to these people with translators, you know. And of course, they speak Portuguese. Uh, and then the crowd from uh, the Baptist Church in Niteroi had their personal workers out there in the crowd signing people up. Do you understand this? Would you like to accept Christ? Uh, could we put your name and address down? And then they would work those lists of people later on during the week. So that was probably the biggest opportunity I've ever had with a chalkboard, you know, just preaching in in the open. But it was it was a thrilling experience. That's a big crowd. You've done a lot of outdoor campaigning over the over the years? Well that was probably the the, the most. Uh not a lot of outdoor. Uh mostly it's been mostly in auditoriums and in churches.
Sure. Well, once your easel gets picked up by the wind and, and, deposit, <laughs> and deposited in the crowd, it's kind of it's kind of hard to want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're you're ready for anything then. You've been doing chalk art now for over fifty five, almost fifty six years. Uh huh. And as you've tracked the history of of chalk art and observed its use in ministry, would you say? Uh, just from your observation, that chalk art as a ministry form is expanding or is it contracting and shrinking over these five Unfortunately, decades? I think it's contracting. And why would you think that is? Well, for one thing, the, the great-grandfather of Chalk Talk, who was at Wheaton University, uh, there was Carl, Carl Steele. Steel. Carl Steele. Carl Steele. Now, when Carl Steele was teaching Chalk Talk, at Wheaton, that was the heyday of chalk art. And uh, I saw him. He came, by the way, he came to uh, Boca Raton while I was at Pompano Beach. I was at First Baptist Pompano Beach for 15 years. And Carl Steele came to uh, Boca Raton, had that great big board. That board must have been, I'm saying, it was... 20 by 40 feet or something like that. I've, that's the biggest board I've ever seen. And he practically had to climb up on a stepladder to reach the top of it. Uh, but he did he did a beautiful chalk drawing of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness, which was one of his standards. And he, uh, he could do that with his eyes shut, I think. He had done it so many times. Uh, but he did that to a packed house. I don't know how many people were there, probably a couple of thousand at least. Uh, but I remember that that was, I thought, the, the apex of chalk talk art. And uh, he was the art teacher at Wheaton, a professor of art there also. So uh, he, had, he had popularized this whole medium and really deserves a lot of credit for that. That that was the heyday. And then there was a kind of a decline there during the uh during the sixties. Uh and maybe the and and early seventies. And then it's kind of showing a, a little revival now, but not anything like it was back there in in those uh those earlier days. Well, now, chalk art has not lost its power or its attraction, so why do you think it has diminished in its use? Uh, yeah, I think it probably just hadn't been, you know, uh, people haven't been instructed uh, because I think that the possibilities are still there. When I use it, I always feel the impact uh, that it has on a, on a congregation. You certainly have done your part over the years, teaching hundreds of students and writing two books on it, on chalk art. But what do you think can be done uh, to improve the growth of chalk art? Well, now that, that we're in the television age, you yeah. think that it would be just perfect uh, because people are so accustomed, you know, and conditioned to looking at that uh, rectangle that sure. they call the television screen. Yeah. Uh, this ought to be the heyday of chalk art. I don't know why it isn't popular. Maybe we just haven't uh, promoted the the medium as, as we should have. Well, that could very well be. Well, Dr. Smith, you've spent a lot of time here on the 
on the phone with me uh, for this program, and I do appreciate it. Let me just give you an opportunity to add anything that we might have overlooked, something you wanted to talk about or say or mention that uh, we might have missed. Yeah, as you see, I still have a deep interest in this medium and in the possibilities of this kind of communication because it is it is so powerful and lasting. I've had people come up to me uh, 20 years later and say, I remember the picture you did, and they de- describe the details of that picture, color and, and everything else, even the text maybe that I used. And I am really encouraged by the fact that you are still doing this and uh, promoting it and making it uh, available to people. And I just congratulate you on that. And as I told you in one of our earlier conversations, I want to encourage you all I can to keep up the good work and keep up uh, the promotion. And I hope that this will in, in some way encourage a great number of our talented young people to get in this in this medium. Well, I appreciate the encouragement. That's the whole purpose and point behind Chalked and Amazed podcast is to offer some encouragement and inspiration to chalk artists, whether they be novice or professional. So I appreciate you taking the time with us on the show and for sharing so many of your remembrances and just for all the time you've taken. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Excellent. Well, I've looked at your books for many years and never dreamed that I would have the opportunity and the privilege to listen and uh, to, to speak with you, to sit at your feet and enjoy uh, your reminiscence and your wisdom. I appreciate it. Well, it's been a pleasure, Terry. It really has. And I, I, I look forward to uh, continuing this friendship. Well, I do as well. And uh, I appreciate you saying so. All right. Well, stay in touch. I sure will, Bob. And I appreciate, uh, once again, your time. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. Robert L. Smith, chalk artist and professor, teacher, and so much more, living in the Brownwood, Texas area. Now, if you're interested in either of the two Chalk Talk books, which Dr. Smith has written, uh, Successful Chalk Talking, A Complete Guide, or Ideas for Successful Chalk Talking, you can find his contact information on our website, Chalked and Amazed. And there is one other thing that I want to bring to your attention, and that is another brand new resource that I've been working hard at developing and setting up online called Golden Chalk Classics. You'll be able to find the link to that site when you go to chalkedinamazed.com. I'm sure you'll find some information and some resources there that will be of great interest and help to you. I appreciate you sticking with us till the very end. I hope that after listening to Dr. Robert L. Smith that you are a little more chalked and amazed. See you next time.